Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then Stripe tap to pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Andrew Terry has supported independent tech news directly for about one day. Be like Andrew. Become a DTNS member at patreon.com slash DTNS. This is the Daily Tech News for Wednesday, April 10th, 2019 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Feline, I'm Sarah Lane. From Salt Lake City, I'm Scott Johnson. And from my home, I'm the show's producer, Roger Chang. It is a lovely Wednesday. Uh, we've got some T-Mobile TV news. We've got some rumors about Mac apps. And we've got cash at a cashierless store. All coming your way. But let's start with a few other tech things you should know. Sources tell Reuters that Uber will publicly register its stock IPO on Thursday. Uber is expected to offer $10 billion worth of stock, which would make it one of the biggest IPOs ever and the largest since Alibaba went public back in 2014. Uber stock is expected to begin trading on the New York Stock Exchange in early May. At Google Cloud Next 2019, this just happened or is sort of happening, taking place this week, Google launched several updates to G Suite, including Google Assistant integration and beta, which allows scheduling a meeting during a current meeting using a voice command. New features also include add-ons from companies like Box and Workfront, live captions and headed, uh, excuse me, are headed to Hangouts Meet, and live uh, sort of a live streaming feature uh, that can support up to 100,000 viewers. Oh, boy. Uh, is going to go live to the public. G Suite now works seamlessly with Microsoft Office files as well. U.S.-based Subcom said it will lay submarine internet cable connecting Australia to Hong Kong through Papua New Guinea by 2022. It would be the most direct link yet between Australia and China and would include connections to the Solomon Islands, which previously were promised by Huawei before Australia blocked that effort. Subcom's cable would make any future Huawei efforts unnecessary. And Facebook announced several updates Wednesday designed to reduce the reach of content that it considers harmful. Among them, Facebook groups that, quote, repeatedly share misinformation will show up in the newsfeed less often. Facebook will also take into account overall popularity outside of Facebook when determining newsfeed promotion. A feature called ClickGap will also compare how many links to a website appear on Facebook versus on the broader web. 
Let's talk a little more about some discoveries about what apps might be coming to macOS. Well, thanks to 9to5Mac, they've confirmed evidence found by developer Steve Troughton-Smith that Apple is working on a standalone music and podcast app for the macOS platform, along with the TV app. Uh, and Apple announced rec- they, Apple, they, they announced that recently, so it makes sense it would go there. 9to5Mac, Mac rather, also says a redesigned books app with an interface similar to the iPads is on its way to macOS as well. Although I don't know who's reading their books on that screen. But anyway, 9to5Mac sources say iTunes will stick around as it's really the only way to sync older devices. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed, and Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model in the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe tap-to-pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamline my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers... Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. At this point, uh, but potentially big changes coming to that platform. Yeah, so we knew TV app coming to macOS. Makes sense that the music, uh, and I'm glad to hear podcast would get their own app on macOS just like they have on iOS. But this does seem to be... If not a nail in the coffin, certainly the beginning of the construction of a coffin for iTunes. I will not miss it. iTunes has been very good to me over the years. I understand that lots of different content goes under the iTunes umbrella for reasons that are not known to anybody, even people who work at Apple. And we've all gotten used to it. But I've said for years, iTunes is a terrible name. We have to like... The podcast should have its own app. The, the the music should have its own app. This is something that I, I pay for music. Podcast is a whole different thing. They, they rarely uh, overlap at all. And iTunes is the worst name for any of them. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with that. And I've been, I feel like we've been thinking about that for a very long time. iTunes hasn't really uh, been, quote unquote, the uh, iTunes of old for a very long time. It's, it's way too used for way too many things. In fact, the minute they started adding video content of any kind, that's when I went, okay, well, it's still right. a music yeah. app. Like, what are we doing? Let's have some some separation of powers here. But all of that aside, the only thing I might miss 
as a podcaster who for a lot of my production I use on the Mac side. And just because this is what we used over the years, I organize a lot of sound files, just thousands and thousands and thousands of sound songs and various things I use for shows in playlists that I control through iTunes. I barely use iTunes for actual music other than Apple Music when I move over to that tab, but I'm using it almost entirely for production reasons. So now's the time for me and people like me probably to just start hunting around for a good alternative for organizing actual hard files instead of this cloud world sure. we're moving into. I mean, and there's lots of options, lots of open source options out there for that aspect of it. I think that's what I'm glad to see is it seems like Apple is uh, acknowledging that iTunes was a chimera. It was a monster. It did not deserve to live. And uh, they're slowly breaking it apart. Uh, I think somebody in the uh, BioCow said, what about syncing and backupping and restoring my phone, which you can do to the cloud, but a lot of people want to do that locally. Uh, Apple could easily make a, a sync app uh, for your devices. That would be great. If they did that, then there really wouldn't be much of a need for iTunes anymore. I also thought it was intriguing. Drew Nielsen in our chat room suggested maybe they'll make these new apps available for Windows, too, as they get more into services. Yeah, and it'd be probably better than the Kluge, which was iTunes on Windows. And not to say that that couldn't have been improved or something, but if I'm an, if I'm an Apple Music user and I like their music service, but I'm using PCs primarily and I want to be able to play my music there, how nice would it be to at the very least have a nice web interface? That's where I think Apple should move. But if they're going to give us standalone apps, fine. Make good, solid standalone apps that work on more platforms than your flagship. Yeah, the iTunes brand always kind of remind, reminded me of the idea of podcasts being named after the iPod. I mean, yeah. that is way old, but it just stuck. Like and it ESPN. was easier... Doesn't right. Matter what, yeah. yeah. And it was easier to kind of use that because you knew that people understood, oh, okay, yeah, that's where digital music or podcasts or uh, or a variety of things, uh, video as well, is going to go. I think it kind of took Apple this long to be able to say, like, we have a roadmap and I do, <laughs> you know, where, where people will now understand this with all of the other services that we're offering. So sorry to see you go. There's the door. <laughs> yeah, get out. Get out. Still let it hit behind you. <laughs> T-Mobile announced its home internet TV service based on its acquisition of Layer 3 TV called T-Vision Home. Get it? TV. T-Vision Home. It'll launch on April 14th, starting at $90 per month with more than 150 channels. It's a pretty big offering. The service does require hardware from T-Mobile that costs $10 per connected TV and is only available in eight rather big major U.S. markets, at least for now. The set-top box includes a one terabyte DVR, voice control, and apps like Netflix and Pandora. Soon, Amazon Prime Video will be coming to the platform as well. Well, T-Mobile for streaming to mobile devices in the home and eventually apps on connected TV devices as well. The company is also prepping a separate wireless nationwide streaming service set to debut later this year. Now, in related news that upset me greatly, YouTube TV is raising its monthly price to $50 per month for all customers. Why? Well, it's signed a multi-year deal with Discovery. Whether or not you want Discovery stuff or not, it's going to raise your price. That includes the Discovery Channel, HGTV, Food Network, TLC, ID, Animal Planet, Travel Channel, and Motor Trend. OWN, that's Oprah's network, will also launch on YouTube TV by the end of 2019. So all these streaming services are raising their prices. T-Mobile's getting in the game by giving you an even more expensive service with box rental, but... 
No creeping fees, no hidden fees. It's $90 a month from the time you subscribe until someday in the future. They're not going to slowly raise it like the cable companies do. Uh, I feel like the T-Vision is really targeted right now at people who have cable as a way to say, instead yeah. of paying $100, pay $90. And it's all familiar because we'll give you a box and it'll have but a DVR and all of that. Every service says, hey, how much do you pay for cable? That's crazy. No, no, Let but, us but offer you a wildly the, the second, discounted no, 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 no. The second part is really important. We'll save you money and you'll still get a DVR and all of this stuff, right? Like that's the important part for the people who have cable who are like, I don't understand Roku's and Apple TV's and stuff. Just give me something familiar and then save you money. I think. Well, and, and yep. that's why it's $90 rather than 50. Right, yeah. right. And two days ago, my mother called me and says, do I, do I want to get Apple TV or do I want to get Netflix? And, sh- and I need to cancel my internet. Obviously all of those things are <laughs> opposed to one another and they don't make sense because she doesn't understand, but I'll tell you what she would understand this package. This would make perfect sense to her. It would cost her less. It means a remote and a box and her TV and she understands it. Uh, we'd still have to convince her how the internet works and all that. But uh, it's. I think there's a market there. Transitioning away from cable or still with cable and want to save, shave a couple of bucks a month or something, I think it's there. But for me, for you, and for the cynical cord cutters of the world, I don't think this is of any interest to any of us. It's not to me anyway. I don't see anything in here that I would want to I mean, yeah, they're they're eventually going to have an app for Roku and Apple TV and such. Uh, maybe it'll be more compelling then, but I don't know. Uh, I'm 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 very very curious how that's going to work, especially if they're renting you a box most of the time. Can you get it without the box someday if they get that app? Right. Just uh, it's a little weird. Oppo announced the Reno Standard Edition or Reno 10x Zoom Edition and the Reno and or Reno 5G smartphones on Wednesday. R E N O 6.6 inch Reno 10x Zoom has a 93.1% screen to body ratio for its AMOLED display, in display fingerprint reader, fast charging, and a 4,065 milliamp hour battery. There's also member Vlad Savov on uh, Monday explaining the periscopic zoom in Huawei. They've got one of those in the Oppo, too. It's a 10x zoom periscope inside, as well as the pop-up camera that pops up for selfies. That's the thing that pops up out of the top of the phone. And Oppo says that can handle 100 uses a day for five years. So it should be pretty durable. It also has fall detection to retract automatically. If you drop the phone, the little paris- or the little pop-up will just go right back inside automatically. The 6.4-inch Reno Standard Edition also has the pop-up selfie camera. The Standard Edition comes to China April 19th, the 10X Zoom in mid-May, and a European launch event is scheduled for April 24th with more details about launches there. As my, much as I'm on the fence about a pop-up camera, uh, this is probably the future because we don't. Nobody likes the notch, Sarah. We can't have the notches. We got to have. I, I know, but but as somebody who drops her camera, her phone, which is also my <laughs> camera, very often, um, and that's just part of my life because some of us are klutzes. This whole sort of like it will retract upon understanding it's falling. Would like to see that. Somebody make a YouTube uh, video of that, please, so that I understand how this works. But otherwise, these specs are kind of great. This this is like a this is like a super phone camera. Yeah, it seems nice. I mean, I even like the name. The Oppo is a cool name. Yeah. So bring it over here. We're not getting this though, are we, Tom? No, uh, I don't know. I I I, I, I think it's I think it's believable that the Oppo uh, is going to uh, retract because the accelerometer can tell that it falls. I still don't. I'm more skeptical of the hundred uses over five years. I think that thing's going to break. Hundred uses doesn't seem like a 
That doesn't seem like, well, whatever. If you're buying a camera that you're going to be doing a lot of selfies on, this thing's going to break. Also, 100 selfies a day. (laughs) Well, they're trying to say it's got way more than you'd ever need, right? Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, and and again, all of these specs sound great to me. I'm like, this is like an ideal situation for somebody. Phones. So maybe, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Next live with it. I don't know. Who knows? Uh, well, Sony now lets anyone on his PlayStation Network change their username. A feature launched back in beta. This was back in October. I remember when this first happened, and I didn't really need to do it, so I didn't. But anyway, you get one free name change, okay? So you can go do this once if you've got a, a name older than the change. If you've done it since then, you're kind of stuck with what you have or you have to pay for it. But anyway, after which, it costs you $9.99 every time uh, to four ninety nine if you're a PlayStation Plus subscriber. So they'll give you a little bit of a break there. You can also keep your old name so that it can revert or you can revert to it for free. Keep in mind, while most games released since April 1st, 2018 will work with your new username, there are some known issues with older games. And I'm told some unknown issues still. Uh, that, that sort of thing is really hard to track down, especially when you're talking about a multi-generational uh, username and system and database that is finally getting an update, but is clearly out of date and they needed to make changes to it. But yeah, expect some problems if you're playing older games, I guess. I mean, I guess this is for the person who created a really funny username on PlayStation Network when they were in high school and now regrets it. Yeah. <laughs> is, that, is that mostly the target audience? Yeah, kind of, I think so. I mean, there's also, just in general, if you hear that, oh, you can change that name that I made in 19 or, you know, 2003, uh, maybe that just sounds fun just to refresh it. But yeah, for the most part, I think it's, what it is, is it's kind of playing catch up because other services have had this for a while. Um Nobody was really sure why it was this. A lot of people have sort of done a little bit of homework and decided that Sony just had really back, bad back-end decisions in the early days. Yeah, they didn't but do it enough was, coding to prepare exactly. for this. And yeah. it was early days. that They just weren't ready for this. So now that they're doing it, I think it's cool they offer a free one. The fact that they charge for them after that is a little weird. I think that that should just be it's a thing. It's to just reduce that. people from doing constant name switching, I guess, I guess and overloading so. the yeah, servers. And I guess so. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, good luck, Sony. Netflix is launching a comedy radio station to air on Sirius XM Radio Channel 93 beginning April 15th. The channel will be called Netflix is a Joke. It'll feature excerpts from Netflix comedy specials, which include the likes of performers like Chris Rock, Dave Chappelle, Ellen DeGeneres, and Jerry Seinfeld, among others. So, you know, cream of the comedy crop. There will also be an original daily show featuring celebrity guests and comedians discussing pop culture and the hot topics of the day. Netflix still does DVDs, and now it's doing radio. Now, the t- everybody was sort of like Sirius XM. What are they doing? I am a I am a subscriber to Sirius XM. Mm, it is are. it. I am. I am not the only one. <laughs> it may or may not have come at a greatly reduced price when I leased my new car, but um, but but it is it is a great satellite radio. Uh, a subscription to have honestly if you have it you love it it's if you don't have it you don't miss it satellite radio subscription in the united states as far as i know since they merged right yeah i think so um yes. so 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 this is something that i would absolutely have in my favorites in my car but i also that's the only place that i listen to this and well, it is still a little strange that it's netflix but i don't know what you guys think 
Uh, it's I mean, good to point uh, out right. that Sirius XM radio is not just in the car. I think that's probably a lot of people's perception. It also yeah. has apps now, so you can listen to it on your phone, And but you oh, have yeah. to be a subscriber to it. So it's it's kind of a morphing into a music service, but with talk radio as its driver. It's, it's a little bit weird. I'm curious where they evolve. Uh, but it's also just weird, this whole idea of Netflix promoting their comedy TV content through the radio. I can't tell if it's silly or genius or both. Well, here's what here's what I hope they do, and I don't know if they're doing this or if this is a step toward doing that. But when I watched those two David Dave uh, Chappelle uh, specials that came to Netflix, they were fantastic, and I wanted to take them with me and have them with me more than just visually on a screen. I want to be able to put them in my ears and listen while I'm running or whatever. And the problem is they didn't distribute it to anybody in that regard. So this is the first example of that. One would assume that one, since it's a Netflix exclusive, would show up there. So if I had Sirius, I'd have a place to listen to that. What I'd really like is if Spotify, Apple Music, and other sources like that got these albums uh, or got these in album form. What about just listening to it on Netflix? I mean, it's okay. Sure. I can fire my phone up, throw Netflix on, play it in the background. I mean, that's, yes, that's a way to do it. But if I could have it as part of of playlists and other, because there's tons of comedy content on music streaming services already. Mm, I see. It's not, I, it's not even the offline thing, which you could download it. It's it's wanting to have it mixed in with other things that aren't on Netflix. Yeah. Well, and Sirius still does a pretty good job, even more than a lot of terrestrial radio these days of, the you know, you've got your VJ, well, your DJ, <laughs> thinking of video now. <laughs> but but like there there are often, there's, there's a person that you like, oh, for these two hours, this person's kind of, you know, driving my time here and- it's 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 actually something that I still like because I like the old radio model. I just don't like where a lot of the radio stations that you know we get on AM or FM have gone. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. Well, uh, I think this is an interesting uh, attempt by Netflix, and I'm curious if the if they'll keep up with it, if it'll, it'll work for them. I mean, comedy on the radio, though, as Scott has, I think, explained well for us, is something people like to listen to. Yeah. Folks, if you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, be sure to subscribe to DailyTechHeadlines.com. CNBC reporting that according to a recording that it obtained of an Amazon all-hands meeting that happened last month, an employee asked at this all-hands meeting how Amazon planned to address, quote, discrimination and elitism at the cashierless stores, the Amazon Go stores, which usually charge for purchases by app connected to a bank or credit card. What if you don't have a bank or credit card? Can you not shop at the Amazon Go stores? Remember, the way they work is you tie a payment system to your Amazon account. You scan your Amazon account as you go in. The store traces you. And as you walk out, it automatically charges you. So you don't have to do anything. You just walk out of the store and it charges you for what you bought. Steve Kessel who runs physical stores for Amazon, in this recording, answered the question by saying the company plans additional payment mechanisms at its Go stores. He pointed out a pilot program on Amazon.com that accepts SNAP benefits in the U.S. That's what we used to call food stamps. It's expanded beyond that a little bit, but essentially it's it's a way for people to get subsidized purchasing of, of groceries and such. And there's a new program called Amazon Cash, which lets people add cash to their Amazon account by going to a drugstore or convenience store and basically depositing it into their Amazon account. Kessel said, quote, We're in earlier days, but it's an important focus for us and we'll continue to extend those methods with our stores. Now, at that point, it sounded like, okay, so you can use cash to add it to your Amazon account, but you wouldn't be able to use cash in the store. However, Amazon confirmed to CNBC 
that yes, in fact, these comments were made at the all hands uh, announcement and said, we are working to accept cash at Amazon Go and quote, you'll check out, pay with cash and then get your change. So that implies some sort of cashier at the cashierless store to take your cash and give you your change. Now, there's only 10 of these in existence. They plan to have a few thousand by 2021. But the reason they think they're thinking about this is less to do with elitism and more to do with the fact that Philadelphia, New Jersey, and Massachusetts do not allow cashless stores. So if they want to expand to Philadelphia or anywhere in New Jersey or Massachusetts, they have to take cash. And New York, San Francisco, and Chicago are considering similar laws, as are other places in the U.S. So my question to my dear panelists today is, <laughs> how are they going to do this? Because again, as I described, the point is, you scan a little thing, it tracks you, you walk out. If you have to also take cash, let's say they just set up a cashier. They're like, okay, it's a cashier store for most people, but if you want to pay for cash, go over to that guy. Well, suddenly... They have to be able to stop the person who's paying with cash from leaving before they paid with cash, yeah. which a passive system that's just automatically charging isn't really set up to do. They they do have some actual human beings standing around, but I guess they'd have to work security and be able to tell which person is paying by cash and which person isn't before they go inside. Uh, it right. just, just seems uh, clunky. And if you if you treated it like, I don't know, the way a lot of toll booths are now, where it's like, just go through, we'll scan your license plate. If you didn't pay, we'll find you later type thing. It's like, Amazon doesn't really want to deal with that. I don't know if that would satisfy the law, right? Right. I don't know. I mean, does it just turn into a grocery store where, sure, you, you... you have a decent amount of security and maybe maybe that whole go uh, cashless uh, um, facet of it gets diminished because it hasn't had a big enough rollout as of yet for people to be like, well, this is how life is. Yeah, I, I am with Tom a little bit. It feels like counter to the whole point of having the store be what it is. The whole idea is walk in, uh, you're magically counted and you leave. And that's the point of it. Now, maybe I'm not saying they will, but maybe they've got other things in mind that don't involve a human being taking your cash and giving you change. Maybe they've got automated systems that they want to try to employ. Not not totally unlike a Walmart or Target self-checkout line uh, where you you know weigh everything. Computer tells you how much you pay. You put it in. The problem with those is they have to have somebody on staff when something goes wrong. So it does feel like they're <laughs> this feels counter to the point of the ghost stores to me. Uh, I think they can maybe get around that with some other kinds of automation for cash transactions. Uh, but this is not anything I think that they or I or anyone else was really thinking about when they were first, you know, thinking about this idea. It's a brilliant idea. Walk in, walk out and get out of there. But nobody thinks about how it discriminates, what it means in certain neighborhoods, how it can cause those kinds of problems with people of lesser means. All of that stuff is now kicking in with the 10 stores they have, and they're going to have to uh, address it. My hope is it's more automated than not. Otherwise, just have people there in the first place and who cares and maybe well, uh, that's the point there's all kinds of solutions to this that involve it not being an amazon go store right, right. <laughs> you, right. you could right. say oh everybody yeah. can go through a cashier and if they're paying by app they just scan it well that's like apple pay then it's not an amazon the whole magic of amazon's go store was i don't have to do anything i just put stuff in my basket yeah. and i walk, walk in, out get, yeah Done. right so 
to be able to allow people to pay with cash, I don't see any way around this because even if, and I was thinking about this before the show, I'm like, oh, I guess you could like say, oh, let me put $20 uh, on a, on a token, right? I, I hand $20 to a person as I go in and then I scan that and then I walk out and if I've spent $18, I'll take the token back to a person and get my change, right? That that would qualify. You'll check out, pay with cash and get your change. Except what if I walk out with more than $40 worth of goods? Right. So, you know, I mean, it's there there's there still has to be a way to passively prevent the cash paying person from taking advantage of the system whose main strength is I am just tracking everyone and I know who they are so I can automatically charge them. If you're paying with cash, you can't automatically charge them anymore. Well, I'm sure the folks at Amazon had uh, long thought and and probably still are about, okay, well, what if we keep things the way that they are and the Philly people, New Jersey or uh, uh, Massachusetts people um, and parts of New Jersey people just like don't get this this cool new store feature. And I think that it probably doesn't make enough sense for Amazon to do that because they want to be a ubiquitous. Mm -hmm. Yeah, folks, uh, we are not missing anything here. There's just way too much to think about. Uh, So send us a note. Don't say we missed something. Just tell us what you think. What is that thing that you realized as you were talking about this? What they could do this feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. Another place to do that is on our subreddit. If you see a story that might catch our eye, you can submit it and also vote on other stories at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com. Also on Facebook, facebook.com slash groups slash dailytechnewsshow. Do we have anything in the mailbag today, Sarah? Yeah, it's funny you asked, Tom. Yeah, Scott, not Scott Johnson, a different Scott, uh, mm. had some thoughts on Roku. In fact, we had a conversation about uh, new Roku features and, and how much it mattered to folks. Scott is a big Roku fan and says, one can pick up a Roku for under $100 or a refurb for under 50 and get a superior app experience. And even when their smart TV was new, when the Roku becomes outdated, you just replace that instead of your entire TV. He's making the case that smart TV apps aren't always necessarily the right way to go. Scott says, I can guarantee your TV will continue to be perfectly good as long after it's outdated. Built-in smart apps become unusable and Roku boxes allow you to still make use of your TV in the way it should have been all along as just a dumb display panel with all the nonsense of smart apps and microphones and cameras and internet connections and spying on what you're watching. Scott says, I bought my TV several years ago and I've never used its built-in apps. Meanwhile, I've gone through two Rokus on it. And when my current Roku is no longer sufficient, I just buy another one and continue to use my existing TV until it just completely does. I'm totally with him, by the way. And I just want to say the only time I ever turned on my TV apps was the last time. They're terrible, generally speaking. I'm sure there's a couple out there that are good. My my Samsung TV I bought in part because I was like, ooh, smart apps. Never use them. Ever, folks. Smart TV apps have been getting better and better. I use my well, WebOS apps quite a quite a bit more these days. And and yeah, I I I I'd love to know which ones are great because they were always kind of janky for me. Uh, and they used to be. They used to be real janky, but they've been getting a little better. That is not to undermine Scott's point about the Roku, though. In fact, Jenny Josephson, our senior advisor for Daily Tech News Show, uh, wrote back to Scott. It was like, yeah. Rock on, brother, because uh, she's used uh, Roku sticks and mailed them to relatives to help set them up as well. So it's good stuff. 
Uh, also, Jesse, a.k.a. Hometown Rival, wrote in and noted that on episode 3504, Laura Shin made an offhand comment that she'd never have a smart speaker like an Amazon Echo in her home. She's not the only guest or co-host that he recalls sharing this sentiment, and the reasons cited almost always come down to privacy concerns. Jesse says, I know Tom uses a few smart speakers in his home, Amazon Echoes, if I remember correctly. I also have Google Home. And I'm curious if privacy is ever a concern for him. I'd also love Sarah and Roger to weigh in on this topic, smart speaker owner or not. Uh, Yeah, part of it is I want to play with them to be able to talk about them on the show, but I have my own opinions about, and and as I said to Laura on Friday, I I am educated to their limitations and I try to make sure to mitigate uh, those sorts of things. Uh, But Sarah, Roger, I know you guys uh, have your own thoughts on this. I think we should ask people to write in and tell us what they think about smart speakers, whether they use them, why, and if they don't, why not? Uh, And we'll talk about this on Monday's show. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, I have two Sonos Ones, which work like Echoes, although somewhat limited functionality, um, if you're comparing them side by side. But but I do have thoughts on this. I, I, I often have people who come over to my house who have thoughts on this. And, you know, it, 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 it's actually a pretty fascinating conversation when it comes to the idea of even if you don't think that your immediate privacy is of a concern, what does it mean down the road when this all, uh, this, this technology uh, becomes more mature? Yes. Uh, I, I don't have any. I have a Google Home, but that's because I have an NVIDIA Shield. Well, and it's in part of the room that the only time I'm in there, I'm watching TV and the kids are screaming. So the only thing they're going to pick up are screaming kids. So send us your thoughts. <laughs> Feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. We'll talk more about it on Monday. <laughs> Thanks to everybody who writes in and gives us feedback every week. We love you all. We also love you, Scott Johnson, for being with us today. Besides coughing, hope you're feeling better. Uh, to let folks know where they can keep up with your latest work. I'm feeling much better. Although my uh, echo, I guess, is picking that up and any other secret things we say today. Um, I <laughs> mainly, By the way, I use mine only, mainly to turn lights on and off in my office. So I feel like uh, you guys are going to get a crazy litany of use cases Monday, and I will have to turn tune in and hear that episode. It's going to be good. Uh, there's a lot going on. There's always something going on. So if you want to follow what I'm up to, head on over to frogpants.com. Uh, you'll find uh, all of it there, all of it, links to everything. So go check it out. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can. I am at Scott Johnson. Folks, uh, you get special episodes. You get episodes early if you're a member of DTNS. Uh, just did an interview this morning with Karen Howe, an uh, MIT technology review reporter and software engineer, about what the hype is about AI, what the truth is about AI. She explains machine learning in a way you'll be able to understand. And if you're a patron, you're going to get that Friday evening a little earlier than everybody else. Go sign up right now. Patreon.com slash DTNS. We mentioned we love feedback, and we do. Feedback at DailyTechNewsShow.com is where to direct those emails. We're also live Monday through Friday. If you can join us, 2030 UTC as well, at 4.30 p.m. Eastern. Find out more at DailyTechNewsShow.com slash live. Back tomorrow with Justin Robert Young. Talk to you then. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at FrogPants.com. Hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit. From a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.